Today we are in 1 Kings 19, and we're going to pick up in verse 9, where Elijah goes into a cave, and he spends the night um, after he had traveled to Horeb from Beersheba, which was probably, could have been a couple hundred miles, um, give or take. So it was quite a journey. So it says in 1 Kings 19.9, there he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. I've entitled the message, Hearing God's Voice, and it's really only one part of the message today, but we're going to focus on really four aspects of, of God uh, through this passage. And the first part is God's honor. And then we're going to look at God's voice, and then we're going to look at God's presence and God's guidance. So the first thing we want to look at is God's honor. If this will advance for me. There we go. Let's go back. God's honor was Elijah's highest ambition. It was his highest ambition. He had spent considerable time on Mount Carmel, calling down the fire of God, 
because he was concerned about the honor of God. God was being dishonored. He was not being worshipped. He was not being revered. He was not being listened to by the Israelites, and we might as well say by the church. Can you imagine having church and God not being listened to and being honored? Because these were God's people. The church is God's people. If we want America to honor the Lord, it has to begin at the house of God. We have to honor the Lord in our lives. It needs to be the highest ambition of our life. And it was for Elijah. It was his absolute highest ambition. He flees because he's fleeing for his life. The reason he's in this cave is not for a place of solitude to seek the Lord at this particular time. He is running and hiding for his life, and he is living in fear. Even though God's honor is his highest ambition, I find it interesting that his heart is gripped with fear. Have you ever felt like that? Yes, I want to honor the Lord, but you know, right now I'm gripped with fear. And I think that can happen to any one of us at any time. I'm reminded of the words um, that were written. I think this was the, I believe it was the March 1st um, uh, devotional uh, from Streams in the Desert. And here's what it says. Often, God seems to place his children in positions of profound difficulty leading them into a wedge from which there is no escape, contriving a situation which no human judgment would have permitted had it been previously consulted. The very cloud conducts them thither. You may be thus involved at this very hour. It does seem perplexing and very serious to the last degree, but it is perfectly right. The issue will more than justify him who has brought you hither. It is a platform, and I believe that's what God was trying to do with Elijah. It is a platform for the display of his almighty grace and power. He will not only deliver you, but in doing so, he will give you a lesson you will never forget, and to which in many a psalm and song and many days you will revert. You will never be able to thank God enough for having done just as he has. So he is afraid of his life because Jezebel has threatened to take his life within 24 hours. Most of us have not been under a death threat, but we do face other fears in our life. And we want to look at some of those because the Bible says the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a snare. A snare in Bible times was like a noose or a net that would be set out for animals or birds to trap them. But here's the dangerous part of snares. You don't see them. They're hidden. They're put underneath brush or leaves, some way to hide them, because if we see them, we'll avoid them. But we don't see them, and the devil puts snares in our path to try to ensnare us and entrap us and steal our freedom from Christ, being in Christ. And so I want to look here at three ways the fear of man can be a snare to us. Three ways a snare of man can be a, fair, uh, a, a snare to us. There could be more, 
But I think you'll re- every one of us will relate to these. The first one is the snare of peer pressure. Peer pressure is very real. Um, how many of you remember a candid camera? I know the people over 40, for sure, people under 40, like, what in the world is candid camera? It was probably the first reality TV show that started back in the late 40s. Alan Funt. Uh, they would hide cameras and they would pull stunts on people to see how they would react and then they would play it back and there'd be all kind of laughs because they didn't know they were on candid camera. Well, they did an experiment where they went into a building and they had this guy get on the elevator and it was called facing the rear. He got on the elevator and he turned around and he faced the front of the elevator. And then three other people get on that are actors and they face the rear of the elevator. And then a fourth actor gets on and he faces the rear. Well, that's all this other guy can handle. He soon turns around and he faces the rear like everybody else because he couldn't handle the social pressure. And it is kind of interesting, isn't it, that he would do that. But how about us? We allow the fear of looking foolish to affect our judgment. Nobody wants to look foolish in front of somebody else. And this is where we begin to engage in an activity that we would not ordinarily engage in because of peer pressure, or what I'm going to call fear pressure. I don't think it's just peer pressure. I think it's fear pressure. What happens when a group of boys get into a locker room and there's no teacher or coach around? What do they talk about? What kind of language comes out of their lips? Is it the language that honors God, like Elijah? He said, I want to honor the Lord. Or is your language to appeal to the audience of your friends to say, look at me, I'm a man. And you really have no clue what a man is because a man will rise above that. If you want to look at a man, look at Jesus in Scripture. He was a man's man. And you will find out that his vocabulary did not change based on who was present. But how many kids, the profanity comes pouring out of their mouth, and because they want to please and honor their friends, and the honor of God is left. What would happen if ball teams, when they got into the locker room, their greatest concern was the honor of God? That God, the honor of God and his name and his reputation was my highest goal. I think my vocabulary would be different. Or when I gather with my friends and my friends are drinking, so I drink. Why? Peer pressure. I don't want to be the odd man out. My friends are looking at pornography. I'm going to look at pornography. Why? Because of peer pressure. I don't want to be the odd man out. But let me ask you, how do you do that if you're a Christian for the honor of God and the glory of his church? You see, what has happened is the standard in the church has become like the standard of the world. But the difference is this. We are in Christ And if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 
The greatest thing that should be the ambition, highest ambition of our life is to honor the Lord. And the fear of man brings a snare. Peer pressure brings a snare. We had a, a testimony in CR Friday night on video. And this man said when he was 13 or 14 years of age, he started into marijuana. Do you know why he started into marijuana? Because a Christian camp counselor gave him marijuana. What a tragedy that a, at a Christian camp, a counselor would give him a drug. Where is the honor of God? We have to come back to this honor of God. Look at Hebrews 13, 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Don't let peer pressure do that to you. Make God's honor the highest passion of your life. Here's another snare. The snare of trying to impress people. Well, we can go on Facebook and we can put all these things. Look what I did. Look where I've been. Look what I've accomplished. Look what has happened over here. And look at the clothes I wear and look at the car I drive and look at the money I have in the bank and I want to impress people with my status, my position. Look at my home. Look at this. Look at that. Look, look at me is what impression says. It's a snare of the devil. Because our highest ambition should be to honor the Lord. And we want to carry ourselves a certain way around certain people. And we'll rub shoulders with certain people, but I won't rub shoulders with those people because, well, that's not impressive. And God's not impressed with that. Here's another snare. The snare of pleasing other people. Some people bend over backwards trying to please other people even if they have to compromise their own convictions. I want to, people to like me and I want to be accepted, so I will change my behavior to please other people. I will even mock, belittle, and criticize others if others are pleased with my actions. Are you falling prey to any of those snares? Or is God's honor the highest ambition of your life? Here's what he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, this is what he has entrusted his church with, the gospel, the honor of God. So we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. I remember as a kid, and I don't think I've ever shared this before. I don't even think I've ever even told my parents this. <laughs> Like, oh boy. Um, but when I was in grade school, like, I don't remember what grade. It could have been third grade. I was young. But I remember, you know, when I was taking a test, my eyes would want to wander to the paper over here, over here. You know, God blessed me with peripheral vision, but it's not a blessing when you, you're taking a test and your eyes begin to wander. And I can remember seeing answers on the sheet on a desk next to me, but here's, what, here's the conviction power of God, even in a child. Here I am, eight, nine years old, 
And I had to sit there and I was like, now would I have thought of that answer myself? <laughs> or am I getting that answer strictly from them? And I can remember times writing down what I think was the wrong answer, not always, because I couldn't in my conscience write what I saw. Now why do I tell you that? I tell you that because my parents didn't do that for me. The teacher didn't do that for me. It was the Spirit of God in my heart that wanted to honor the Lord as a child. And, you know, if you're a teenager, it doesn't matter. If the honor of God is your highest ambition, it doesn't matter if mom and dad are there. It doesn't matter if a deacon or elder is there. It doesn't matter who is there. If God is in your heart, his honor is the highest priority. It has to be. Paul said it this way in Galatians 1.10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, he says, I would not be a servant of Christ. Everybody is not going to do handsprings and be excited about your commitment to the Lord. But I'll tell you this, if you will take a stand, you will be amazed at the influence you can have among your peers. God will use you in a great way. And he wants to. The fear of man strips away our freedom in Christ. Look at this verse, Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. How do we overcome the fear of man? By having a greater fear of God. A greater fear of God. And that's where Elijah had to get back to because he was fearing Jezebel more than he was fearing God at that particular moment. And God had to remind him that he needed to fear him first. Let's go on to the second one. God's voice was Elijah's greatest encouragement. His voice. Notice it says in verse 9, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? God's voice was the greatest encouragement. It wasn't a condemning voice. Notice he could have condemned him. He said, what are you doing back here hiding? He's just like, what are you doing back here? Remember when he saw Adam and Eve in the garden? Where are you? What are you doing? God's voice was an encouragement. He was feeling alone, and he needed a reassuring voice that God was there. And oftentimes when we feel alone, we can struggle to hear the voice of God. Is he really there? Does he really care? You know how it is when you haven't talked to somebody on the phone for a long time? Maybe you do this. I know I've done this before. It's like, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear a person's voice because it is unique. It is distinct. Their voice is their voice. And you don't usually mistake it with somebody else. And God had that kind of voice as well. Elijah was discouraged over the Israelites' idolatry and their worship of Baal. The Israelites, he goes on to explain to God, were guilty of three sins. And he explains those to the Lord. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have done three things. They've rejected your covenant, they've broken down your altars, and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. 
So three things. They rejected the word of God. They refused the worship of God. And they raged against the prophets of God to the point where they killed them. But the first one, rejecting the word of God. Remember, this is God's people rejecting God's word. It's like the church rejecting the Bible. Are you rejecting the Bible in your own life? Let's go back for a moment, and let me just read for you. For, for you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, here's where I think we can say there's a rejection of God's word in our culture, and maybe even in the church. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And then he gives a grocery list of things that are happening in the culture and this is given to the church, because Timothy is giving this to the church. People will be lovers of themselves. We're in the me generation, the iPhone, the selfie, the me, all about me. People want to choose their own gender, for instance. Talk about loving yourself and rejecting the Bible. When God, it says God created them male and female. We have a rejection of the word of God. Lovers of themselves. You wanna go out and look at pornography? Why? Because you love yourself. The honor of God is mocked. Lovers of money. Some people, all their interest in life is consumed with how much they can get. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I would say that if you were to talk to most seniors in our church, probably one of the biggest concerns they would say they see in the younger people in our culture is the disrespect for authority. That would certainly be one of mine. High on the list. A disrespect for authority. And I'll tell you where that comes from. It comes from a dishonor of God and a rejection of his word. Because the scripture says, one of the commandments is to what? Honor your father and your mother. You reject the word of God when you dishonor your parents. Or you dishonor authority, a teacher over you, and you mock and belittle and criticize. You are dishonoring the Lord. And then we wonder why kids will take a gun and go into a school and begin to shoot. They've rejected the word of God. It says, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> and that's where we are. And he goes on to say, ungrateful. Ungrateful. You know, we have this entitlement mentality. I'm owed this. I deserve this. Give this to me. And we have this ungrateful attitude. Unholy, without love, 
And it means for others, not yourself. You don't love others. You're not concerned about others. You're concerned about yourself. Unforgiving, you hold grudges toward other people. Slanderous, without self-control. That's a huge one. Because we have some people that, if they didn't have their phone in their hand, they would probably begin to shake. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're so attached to their electronic. If I don't have it, I mean, something's wrong. And there's no self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good. Treacherous, rash, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. God's voice is an encouragement because it encourages me how to live, how I should honor the Lord. And here's what it says in John 10 about God's voice. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep do what to God's voice? Hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. It's so crucial that you know the voice of God. I remember when we were praying about coming to South Dakota because this was so far off of our radar South Dakota was not in our plans. You've heard me talk about this. But you know, as we began to pray and seek the Lord, it was like I talked to Pam and I said, um, I have a question. Are we limiting God on where we will serve? Because I think we are. I, I think that I'm supposed to send in a resume to this place. I mean, God just touched my heart. And I said, I think I need to send in a resume. And each step along the way, it was like God was confirming. And there were tests along the way because as soon as I began the process here, I had another missionary in our church come up to me and say, um, there's a church in Richmond, Virginia that's looking for a pastor. And I said, you know what? I said, I need to tell you something in confidence. I've already started the process with another church and I don't feel comfortable pursuing another opportunity. He said, where is it at? I said, you're not gonna believe this. <laughs> it's in South Dakota. He said, whoa. <laughs> I said, I know. I said, I can't explain it other than God has placed it on our hearts that we need to pursue this and we will pursue this until God says no or the door is closed. And as we did, it was amazing. There wasn't an audible voice, but there was confirmation every step of the way. Everything we tried to do, there was, no, there was no extra effort that took place. It was like God just paved the way. Um, and I remember even Lynn and Gloria coming to visit us in, uh, before we came here. And so we invited them to stay uh, with us at our, at our house. And, uh, and it was kind of interesting because we went to an ABF class at our church and, and Lynn and Gloria came in and I said, well, these are friends of ours. I said, they're, they're from South Dakota and they're on their way to Florida for bank meetings. I believe you're on your way. They said, from South Dakota to Virginia to Florida? That's an odd way to go to Florida. I said, well, that's what they're doing. So... <laughs> um, 
But they had a chance to visit our church and visit with us, but it, it was a confirmation. And then when we talked about coming out here, um, they said, when could you come and visit? I said, well, the only time it works would be this week because our boys have spring break. Brandon was still homeschooled. Ryan was in the Christian school. I said, this is the only week it will really work. And Lynn says, that'll work great for us. And so it was just a confirmation each step of the way that God said, yes, yes, yes. And there were other times he closed the door. And so if we are willing to really tune into the voice of God, he wants to lead us. He absolutely does. If we're willing to allow him to do it in our lives. Well, number three, God's presence was Elijah's strongest protection. His voice was his greatest encouragement. God's honor was his highest ambition. Here, God's presence was Elijah's strongest protection. And of course, he hears the voice of God. Um, and when he hears the voice of God, it's a gentle whisper. God was not in the wind, he was not in the earthquake, and he was not in the fire. He was saying, you know what, Elijah, you had an experience on Mount Carmel that you're probably never going to have again. Every once in a while, God may bring a Mount Carmel experience in our lives, but don't live on Mount Carmel experiences. The day-to-day -day activities. It's not like, you know, when I open the scripture on Monday morning, God tells me when to go get my mail at the mailbox. I'm not talking about that kind of leading, but I am talking about the leading of the voice of God when we are in tune with him, we're reading, we're seeking the Lord, he is going to guide us and help us in our decision-making process. We don't have to do it by ourselves. He is going to help us and he is going to guide us. But God's presence was Elijah's strongest protection. And that's what I think he was trying to tell him. He's like, Elijah, come out here. Let me pass before you. Does that remind you of another story? When Moses was on Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, and God says, I'm going to pass before you, and he hides him in the cleft of the rock, and he covers his face. And that's the same thing that happens here. Elijah takes his cloak, and he covers his face because the presence of God is so great. He's experiencing the presence of God up close and personal. You talk about encouragement and a sense of protection that the God of the universe passed before him. To say, who's that Jezebel lady you're concerned about? What, what is that thing that you are fearing right now, Elijah? What is it that you don't think I can help you with? Here's how the psalmist said it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. We don't go alone. We don't go alone. The fourth one that I want to mention is God's guidance. God's guidance was Elijah's deepest comfort. We looked at this verse, and look at the last part of this verse. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's word, in other words, was a comfort to him. Why? Because God's word gives us guidance. 
The word of the Lord came to Elijah and asked him what he was doing twice. But he also then told him, in verse 15, the Lord says, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram, and anoint Jehu, and anoint Elisha. He gives him guidance. And what a comfort it is when you feel a sense of lostness <laughs> to be given guidance again. To move from the cave. What am I supposed to be doing right now? Elijah, you're here, but I want you to begin getting back into my service. Back into the work of the Lord. Stop being gripped and paralyzed by fear and begin to operate by faith. There's a sense of peace when God guides us. That peace brings comfort to our soul. God was not finished with Elijah. He had work for him to do. And there is a blessing when God raises up other people to come alongside of us. You know, it is a blessing even at Bethesda Church when somebody else volunteers and says, you know what, I want to be involved in this ministry. I want to be involved in this ministry. I want to honor the Lord with my life. I want to help shoulder the load and the responsibility. And when people do that, it is a great comfort and encouragement to those who carry the load for so long. God raises up people for his purposes. But you know what? Sometimes the reason we don't get involved is because we're tied to the old life. We're tied to the old way of thinking. We're tied to our old behavior. We're tied to our old lifestyle. And we need to make a clean break from it. And what did Elisha do when Elijah put his mantle on him and gave him, passed on, in essence, the anointing and the authority onto Elisha's life? Elisha went out and he took his equipment and he burned it. And he slaughtered the oxen. You talk about making a clean break from the old life to say, I'm, I'm putting this life behind me and I am going to honor the Lord with my life. God is guiding me. He's giving me a mentor as well. You know, one of the greatest things we can have in life is a mentor who will come alongside of us and mentor us. Young people, would I encourage you, even as a teenager, go up to one of the adults. Take them out for a Coke and say, tell me what you did wrong in your life. Tell me what you've done right. Tell me the difficulties, the suffering, the hurts, the trials, and take them out and learn from them. It's biblical. The older are to teach the younger. We miss so much because we won't ask and we won't take it serious. And here's a mentoring opportunity for Elijah to mentor Elisha. But he made a clean break from the past. And he said, I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm putting the old life behind me. You can't go back to it when you burn it and destroy it. You don't go back. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, what aspect of God is God impressing upon you today? The first one was God's honor. 
It was Elijah's highest ambition in his life. If you will view your sin in light of the honor of God, you won't be able to be engaged in that sin very long and be very comfortable. If you have your highest ambition to honor the Lord, you will honor him. And maybe it's making a break from something in your life to say, you know what, I know this is not honoring to the Lord in my life. I know that I've allowed peer pressure, I've allowed impressing other people, I've allowed pleasing other people to take precedence over honoring the Lord. And I've allowed the snare of the enemy. Is there something you need to surrender to the honor of the Lord in your life? What about God's voice? It was Elijah's greatest encouragement the voice of God, not to reject the word of God, to be a lover of yourself, to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, to be disobedient to your parents. You see, if you can't learn to obey your parents who you can see, you will never learn to obey a God you cannot see. It's the opportunity to learn obedience when you are at home. And if you don't learn it there, it's going to be even harder to learn it when you leave home. What about God's voice in your life? Are you responding to it? What about God's presence? It's our strongest protection. When we are under the umbrella of God's presence, there's a protection there that God gives us that comes no other way. And God's guidance. What do you need God's guidance for in your life that will bring great comfort and peace to your heart? You don't have to decide by yourself. God is there and he wants to lead you and guide you if you will let him. He will impress upon your heart what you need to do. And if he doesn't give you direction, because there was a period in my life when I was seeking a senior pastorate and it was like a silence from the Lord for quite a while. And I was struggling with that. I'll be honest with you. But it was just like God kept saying, wait, wait, wait. Those are not fun words but they're necessary because they protect us from getting into something we shouldn't. And so God is faithful if we will wait on him. He will give us that sense of leading in our lives. If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's here for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. And the reason maybe you reject his word, the reason you don't have his presence in your life is because you don't know him. You haven't bowed your knee to him and acknowledged your sin before a holy God. Would you do that today? Would you say, God, I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and shed his blood that I could have the forgiveness of sin and so that I could begin to make the honor of God the highest ambition of my life. Would you do that?
And would you let me know that you've done that after the service? Say, Roy, today I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to honor him. I'd rejoice with you and help you in your journey. If you have a special need in your life that you would like prayer for, we would be glad to pray with you after the service. Please seek me out or pray with someone else that God would direct you to. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.